We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, let's put politics aside for the moment. Let's just set it back on the shelf for just this one show and talk about stuff that might be a little bit more important. Let's talk about, oh, let's say, open theism, process theology, Thomas Ord, and the problem of evil. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. I thought today we'd try to shift gears a little bit. I said in the introduction that I would like to set politics aside for the moment. That is what I'd like to do, but I don't know if we can. And the reason for that is we have to define politics. And we have to define other things like theology and justice, debates over righteousness, what's true and what's right and what's real, uh, truth and beauty. All of these things are important in our daily lives. All of these discussions, these debates, these arguments, all of these conversations are, I would argue, what make us human. But they all overlap with politics because the political discussions of our time deal with what? Justice, beauty, human identity. We ground all of this in our understanding of God, freedom, liberty. All of this is anchored in God. In fact, we're told in our seminal documents that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights and that there are self-evident truths. So, Our seminal political documents that define what it means to be an American, that define the United States of America, that define our constitutional republic, those are political statements, right? But they're also theological statements, and they are worldview statements. So yes, I'd like to set some of the contemporary political disputes aside, for the sake of today's program. I'm not going to talk about COVID. I'm not going to talk about vaccines. I'm not going to talk about border security, border control. I'm not going to talk about Joe Biden. I'm not going to talk about AOC or Nancy Pelosi. We're not going to do that today. But I want you to recognize that even though I'm going to set those things aside, put them on the back shelf, that we are still talking about things that overlap with all of those things ultimately, because people make decisions based on their philosophy, their worldview. Ideas have consequences. Ideas matter. Your view of God is going to impact your view of government. You can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. Everybody that's interested in government has a view of God, and that view of God is going to impact your decisions as to what you think government should or should not be. Some of you may know that I recently announced that I'm going to run for district commissioner, 
County Commissioner of Osage County. So Osage County Commissioner for District 1. I'm going to run for that office. Why? Because I believe that worldview matters. I believe that philosophy matters. I believe that theology matters. And my worldview and my philosophy, my theology says this, that human beings are created in the image of God and we were created to be free. God has given us freedom, free will, free choice, free thinking, free minds, and he wants our bodies to be free also. He wants our existence to be free. God did not create us to be automatons. He didn't create us to be puppets, that he's just going to pull the strings and move us from here to there and tell us what to do. He gives us parameters. He defines his will for us, but then he gives us the freedom to choose to live within those parameters and to obey his will or not. My worldview is that. And therefore, when it comes to politics and government, my philosophy is, leave me alone. My philosophy is local control, local empowerment, local responsibility, local values. Local control, local control, local control, local control. You can summarize everything I believe about government by saying exactly what I said to President Trump when I met with him when he was a candidate in 2015 and 16. I've told you the story before. When it came my time to say something to him in this meeting of a small number of people in Trump Tower, a group of evangelical and Catholic writers and speakers, many of us at the time were skeptical. We didn't necessarily jump on the Trump bandwagon right out of the box. In fact, many of us, myself included, uh, chose to support somebody else. For me, it was Ted Cruz. Why? Because I didn't know who this guy was, Donald Trump. I didn't like some of his, some of his history. And I don't apologize for that. We've talked about that before on the show. Casinos, strip clubs, boasting of his infidelity in his books. All this is true. Don't tell me it's not true. It is true. He says this of himself. So my attitude was to keep my powder dry. I didn't know what to do about this man. So I was called to a meeting at Trump Tower along with some others that had similar feelings. When it came my time to speak to Donald Trump, I basically told him this. And you've heard the story. Mr. Trump, should you become president of the United States, I have one request of you. Leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Get the government out of my life. Stay out of my life. Don't tell me how to run a Christian college. Don't tell me how to use the bathroom. Don't tell me what pronouns I can or cannot use. Don't tell me that if I acknowledge the biological fact of a female that I'm somehow a hater and that I am a science denier. Don't tell me any of this. It's the government's job to do as little as necessary within the parameters and the budget that we give it. I don't think the government should ever become bigger and better. I think the government should not do as much as it can. I think it should do as little as is necessary and then leave us alone. So as I announce that I'm running for the county commissioner of District 1 in Osage County, my philosophy is leave us alone. Even at that small level, that office of county commissioner, your philosophy, your worldview matters. You don't spend money that you don't have. 
You listen to people because local voices, local values, and local responsibility, local respect, and local control matters. You get my point? Philosophy, theology, worldview matters. So today I'm going to talk about open theism and process theology for the rest of the show. I'll mention a guy by the name of Thomas Ord, and I'm going to tell you what's wrong with this worldview, this theology that's popular in some circles these days. Let's take a break, and when we get back, again, the topic is open theism, excuse me, open theism and process theology. What is it? Why should you care? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I said in the first few minutes leading up to the break that uh, worldview matters, and I gave you the example of even at the level of county commissioner in Osage County here in Oklahoma, where I think it's a fact there are probably more cows than there are people. And I don't say that in a pejorative way. I actually love living out here. I love the people. I love the country. I love the entire ranching, rural aspect of where I live and the people that I live with. These are people that uh, are the salt of the earth. A lot of common sense and wisdom exists in Osage County and therefore leave people alone. Give them the services and the infrastructure that their taxes have paid for and then leave them alone. Just leave us alone. Local control, local authority, local responsibility. And what drives that? It's my view of God. It's my view of what's right and wrong. It's my view of how we know things, epistemology. It's my view of ontology, what's real. It's my view of who God is and who I am in relationship with God and with other people. You can't get away from it. Theology is politics. Politics is theology. So let's talk about open theism. I was asked this question recently if I had studied any on process theology and open theism. And I said, yeah, I I have studied it a bit. In fact, back when I was in my early 30s, I had a crisis of faith. I was working at a seminary at the time, and I was a Christian, but I was really, really hung up on the issue of God's sovereignty, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his, his power over everything. And I was wrestling with how can you reconcile a sovereign God that knows everything from now into eternity with human choice and our free will? And I thought, I'm going to find the answer. I can figure this out. Sidebar, it's very arrogant to think you can figure this out, even right now as we're talking. The best minds in all of human history have wrestled with this question for 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years. I mean, we've got minds like St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas. We've got more moderns like G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. We have people that have wrestled with these ideas for centuries. And you know what? All of the people that I just described essentially concluded that they have to rest in the mystery of God, that the human mind is incapable of understanding all of what God is. I'll say that again. The human mind is incapable of understanding God. We can't. And any God that we could fully understand and put in a box would probably not be a God worth worshiping. Stop and think about that a bit. 
Anyway, I was having a crisis of faith back when I was in my 30s, and it all was about this issue of sovereignty and God's sovereignty and omniscience and our free will. So I went to a to a seminary and I got a stack of books on these topics on this issue, and I thought I'm going to read through this and try to figure it out. Okay, and here's what I learned. Open theism, and I'll explain it to you, it overlaps with process theology. I'm going to treat them both the same, essentially, for the sake of this radio show. There are differences, but there's a great deal of overlap. Where do they overlap? How are they the same? Open theists and process theologians, they do this. They deny the immunability and the sovereignty, the omniscience and the omnipotence of God. The immunability is the unchangeable nature of God. God does not change. Sovereignty is, you know what that is, power. He is sovereign. He rules everything. Omniscience is omni-knowledge. It's uh, your knowledge knowledge extends to everything and everywhere. Omniscience. God knows everything. Past and forward. Present and future. Omnipotence, you know what that means. That's power. God is all-powerful. So immunability, sovereignty, omniscience, and omnipotence. I was wrestling with these things. And process theology likewise wrestles with these things, and its conclusion is to deny them, that God is not immutable, he is not sovereign, he is not omniscient, and he is not omnipotent. Process theologians and open theists they, they basically just disregard the teaching of the church and the creeds for the last 2,000 years. So it's chronological snobbery. They think that all that old stuff should just be discarded as antiquated thinking. Um, I think it's fair for me to call it a kind of squishy Protestantism uh, that seeks to create a kinder and gentler deity. So they don't like the God of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. So open theism and process theologians, they create a kinder and gentler God. Kind of a, like C.S. Lewis said, a kindly uncle that wishes a good time be had by all, rather than an all-knowing and all-powerful God of Scripture, who will judge us, all of us, at the end of days. So process theology and open theism is essentially woke evangelicalism. And you've heard me rant about that. It's squishy, it's mush, it's jello. You try to nail it down and it just moves on you. So I would argue it all boils down to this. Do we trust the Bible and do we trust the church, the teachings of the church that are anchored in the Bible for 2,000 years and then the Old Testament prior to that? So do we trust the Bible and do we trust the church to define God or don't we? It's really that simple. Process theology doesn't. Open theism doesn't. Process theology and open theists deny the creeds. They deny the church and the Bible. So by definition, it's not orthodoxy. And therefore, by definition, it's heresy. Now, if you've been tempted to dig into Oh, like the Thomas Ord or Clark Pennock and some of these leaders of open theism and process theology, you might think that I'm being a little harsh by saying it's heresy. Well, tradition, reason, experience, and scripture. Remember the Wesleyan quadrilateral, and it goes all the way back to St. Augustine. The quadrilateral, tradition, history, if you will, 
Grandma and Grandpa actually knew something. The people that preceded us, the patriarchs, the matriarchs, the prophets, the fathers of our faith, the fathers of our country, the people that had old ideas, and those, those ideas have been around long before them and long after them, those ideas might be worth holding on to because history proves what George Santayana said. Those that don't learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. So honor tradition, reason. You have a rational brain, so think through these things logically and don't discard logic and create straw men and non sequiturs and then construct a God within the fallacious reasoning. Don't do that. Experience. How's that working for you? How will this God and how will these values work for you as you deconstruct the God of Scripture and create a new one in your own image? And then I've always argued that you need a trump card on any debate. Something has to be the judge of who's wrong and who's right. Something has to judge tradition, wrong or right, reason, wrong or right, experience, wrong or right. And that trump card throughout the millennia has been Scripture, the Bible. It's the anchor of Western civilization, of Europe and of the United States and Canada, and much of South America and Central America. Scripture has been that anchor, that true north, that measuring rod outside of those things being measured, outside of tradition, outside of reason, outside of experience, outside of you and outside of me. It is the judge that allows us to define justice, if you will. Scripture. All right. So, I would argue that open theism, because it denies the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God, the sovereignty of God, the immutability of God, and it denies the creeds, and it thumbs its nose at the teachings of the church, and basically ignores a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible, is by definition not orthodoxy, and therefore heresy. Therefore, it's not Christianity. You don't get to define your own Christianity. I don't. Christianity is defined by something other than you or me or Thomas Ord or Clark Pennock or Mike Buttigieg, or Joe Biden, or Nancy Pelosi. We don't get to define Christianity. Christianity is defined by Christ. It's defined by Scripture. It's defined through the teachings of the church as they've applied Scripture decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia. That's Christianity. It's an anchor that doesn't move. It's unchangeable. It's immutable. So, when I was digging into this stuff and trying to resolve the issue of God's sovereignty and man's free will, uh, like I said, I was determined to find an answer. I was arrogant enough to think that I could. So I loaded up with all these books, and I read Clark Pennock, etc. And I would argue only by the grace of God did I ever come out of this whole struggle, this wrestling match with Christianity, with my Christianity intact. And the bottom line that I concluded at the end of the day is the one I'm going to share with you right now. I recognize that I could not continue to claim to be a Christian and a follower of the biblical Christ and subscribe to this neutered, impotent construct of God that open theists and process theologians embrace. So again, open theism asserts that God's knowledge is limited. You hear me on that? God's knowledge is limited. He's not omniscient. He has limited knowledge. And in fact, they say that he is unable to anticipate free human actions. But this isn't what the Bible teaches. I mean, just stop and think about it. I'll read you a couple of verses here. Psalm 139, 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, 
and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. How can you be an open theist and a process theologian and deny the fact that God knows what you're going to say before you say it? It's, it's declared in the Psalms. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. So the Lord is searching our heart and testing the mind. Okay? And then we read in 1 Chronicles 28.9, And you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Sound like omniscience to you? It sure does to me. You can understand why the church has taught that God is omniscient for two millennia. Because he is. The Bible says so. Scripture. O Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind. Jeremiah 20. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, so, excuse me, show which one of these two you have chosen. That's straight out of Acts in terms of choosing the leaders of the church. So I'm telling you that open theism denies all of this, but yet claims to be Christianity. I could spend a lot more time talking about the details of open theism, but let me just repeat. Open theism and process theology, both of these worldviews overlap a great deal, and they deny the immutability, the unchangeable nature of God. They deny the omniscience, the all-knowing nature of God. They deny the omnipotence, the all-powerful nature of God. They deny the sovereignty of God, that he rules over all. They actually claim that God can't know what's coming, and therefore he could lose. Now, is that a God worth worshiping? Is it? Well, Thomas J. Ord, who's a writer for the Nazarene Church and the Wesleyans and the Assembly of God and some of the free Methodists and whatnot, he has spoken at many venues within those church denominations. He does not believe that God is sovereign. He does not believe that, and he actually says so in his writing. Now, the bottom line for me is this. I've got a few minutes left. People like Thomas J. Ord and Clark Pennock and others who are arguing for this new, in vogue, cool, woke view of God are essentially doing this. They're creating a God that looks more like what they see in the mirror than what they see in the Bible. You've heard me use that little phrase before on this show. You're worshiping the God you see in the mirror more than the God you see in the Bible, and that's not a good place to go. So, frankly, it's just arrogance. You don't like what you find in Scripture and in the consistent 4,000-year-old definition of God. So what do you do? You deconstruct it, and you create something new out of the mess. You tear down the house, and then you build something else new. Okay, it's essentially Romans 1. You start worshiping the created rather than the creator. And you're given over to a debased mind, a reprobate mind when that happens. That's what the Apostle Paul warned of. That's what God warned of when he inspired the Apostle Paul to write his epistle to the Church of Rome. So they can't think their way out of paper bag any longer. They actually think that this neutered, impotent, senile uncle that wishes a good time be had by all is a more attractive God to worship than a sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, creator of all, who knows everything.
Graham Walker called it the pathology of the intellect. These people think they're smart enough, kind of like I did back in my 30s, to figure this out. And when they realize that they can't, rather than bowing and worshiping the God of the Bible, they discard it and create a new God that they feel more comfortable with. When we're trying to think how to close here. So we either worship a sovereign, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, or we worship ourselves. Maybe that's the best way for me to say it. God, we are trusting in ourselves more than we are in him. It's really pretty simple. God is God. And I'm not, and you're not, smart enough to understand all of him. We understand part of him because of what we see in the Bible. But we don't understand all of him. We don't understand that he's timeless and that we judge everything by time. We can't conceive of what it means to be timeless. We don't understand a trinity, even though we know that God is the triune God, one God that's overlapped and intermingled with three persons, if you will, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How can you understand that? You can't. And if we could, maybe it's not a God worth worshiping. I remember when my friend Bart Campolo, who's now declared himself to be an atheist, sat in my living room back in Michigan. and We were debating the problems of the world into the wee hours of the morning. And I, I mentioned God's sovereignty, his, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience. His, I mentioned this in our debate, and Bart stopped me. And he was claiming to be a Christian. He was on the Christian college speaking circuit at the time. And he looked at me, and this is a direct quote. He said, if God is sovereign over a world that is as broken as this, I will not worship him, close quote. He actually said this, and then he followed his worldview to its logical conclusion. He's now an atheist, and he's arrogantly fighting against God and his law rather than humbling himself in obedience before God. Bart has created a God that he likes rather than a God that is. What it all boils down to, people, is this. Everyone who buys into process theology and open theism of Bart Campolo and Clark Pinnock and Thomas Ord is really saying the exact same thing. Everyone, everyone is saying, if God is sovereign over my life, then I will not worship him. That's what these people, and that's the temptation of every human being. We all have a choice. We either worship God or we worship ourselves. It's really that simple. I'll close with this from A.W. Pink. Nothing in all the vast universe can come to pass otherwise than God has eternally purposed it. Here is a foundation of faith. Here is a resting place for the intellect. Here is an anchor for the soul. Both sure and steadfast, it is not blind faith, unbridled evil, man or devil, but the Lord God Almighty who is ruling the world, ruling it according to his own good pleasure and for his own eternal glory. Arthur W. Pink. That's the God of the Bible people. He knows everything and he won't lose. Tomorrow we'll talk about the problem of evil and how it overlaps with this conversation. I'm Dr. Everett Piper and this is The Rebellion.